And now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts, together in this place and in all places, be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In late December 2018, a man named Randy Heiss was walking his dog along a cow path in Patagonia, Arizona, when this flash of red in the distance caught his eye. He went over to it and discovered that it was a deflated red balloon sitting among the grass, and attached to it was a ribbon and a note handwritten in Spanish. Well, it was just a few days before Christmas, and Randy quickly realized that this was a child's Christmas list. On it, they had written things like coloring books with magic markers, paints, stuffed animals, new clothes. A child somewhere had made their list, put it in a balloon, and sent it up into the air like a message in a bottle with hopes that their Christmas wishes just might come true. Well, Randy immediately began to wonder if he could somehow find this child and perhaps help out with their Christmas list. But there was no name or address, no phone number either. He had no idea where this balloon had come from or how far it had traveled. His best guess was that the balloon came from the town of Nogales, just across the border, only about 20 miles away. But Nogales has a population of over a million people. He wanted to help, but it just didn't make sense to try to do something like that. He didn't even know where to begin. So he stuffed this balloon and note into his pocket and kept walking his dog that day. I wonder, have you ever felt God inviting you to do something that just didn't make sense? Maybe it just wasn't practical, didn't seem logical. Maybe it didn't feel particularly safe. Maybe it didn't match up with society's expectations for you or with what everyone else thought you should do. And yet God usually doesn't call us to do things that are always safe and sensible, comfortable and familiar God is always inviting us to look outside of the boxes we put ourselves in, to push past the lines in the sand that have been drawn, to knock down the barriers, borders, and boundaries that the world builds up around us. The reality is that God calls us to do things that at least by the world's standards just don't make sense sometimes. I mean, think about it. God tells Noah to build this really large boat, even though it hasn't rained in forever. God tells Pharaoh's daughter to raise up a baby that she found in a basket floating down the river. God tells Moses to point his staff over the sea so that the Israelites can walk through on dry ground. And later on, he tells them to hit a rock with a stick so that water will come out of it. God tells Mary that she is going to give birth to a baby who will save the world, even though she is a virgin. You may think that today's scripture reading from Acts is strange, and if so, you're not alone. (laughs) 
And yet it falls in line with a whole host of our sacred stories about how God continually asks us to do things that just don't make any sense. Well, here in Acts 8, an angel of the Lord tells Philip to get up and go toward the south to a road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Except there's one problem. Scholars today tell us that a road like this doesn't exist, (laughs) at least not in a straight shot from A to B. God tells Philip to go and do something that just doesn't make sense. Will Gaffney writes, There was no single road in the Roman era that transversed the 60 miles from Jerusalem to Gaza. One would have to travel a series of spiderweb, zigzagging roads from Jerusalem, south to Hebron, west to the valley, south to Beersheba, northwest to the coast, if one wanted a chariot-capable road. And yet maybe this spiderweb of a road is fairly accurate, just like our own life's journeys. Because whether it is the journey of grief or of love, of recovery, of relationships, of parenting for the families in the room today. Absolutely none of these journeys takes us straight from point A to point B. Life is always this messy spiral of ups and downs, two steps forward, three steps back. But the point is that we just have to be willing to take that next step which is exactly what Philip does. Regardless of what this road ahead looks like for him, the very next verse says that Philip gets up and goes. And somehow, in the middle of this roundabout journey, Philip runs into an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the queen. The eunuch says he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was now returning home. Of course, what the text doesn't say, but what Philip would have known for certain, is that this Ethiopian eunuch never would have been welcome in the temple for worship. He is as outside of the box of the temple as you could possibly be. And you know, it's fascinating that Philip has to cross so many different boundaries between coast and valley, city and wilderness, east and west, to find this eunuch. Because Philip will now be challenged to cross another boundary that is perhaps much harder to cross. And that is the boundary his own faith tradition has drawn for him about who is in and who is out. Philip would have known scriptures like Leviticus 21 or Deuteronomy 23 that say people like this Ethiopian eunuch cannot even come near the temple or approach the altar of the Lord because they have a defect or a blemish that might profane the Lord's sanctuary. And so Philip meets this outsider of all outsiders, and the eunuch invites Philip to have a seat right beside him in his chariot and to join him. Philip isn't sure what to think, but they begin to talk and read scripture together. The eunuch is so curious about the faith and what these scriptures actually mean. And then when they come upon this small body of water, the eunuch says, well, hey, what's preventing someone like me from being baptized? 
And I can only imagine what Philip must be thinking. There are a million things holding you back, buddy. You are from Ethiopia, cut off of the land of Israel. You are a eunuch in violation of all of our purity codes. You are a member of the queen's cabinet, so your loyalty is to the wrong person. You belong to the wrong nation. You hold the wrong job, and you possess the wrong sexuality. You don't fit inside any of the lines we have drawn around our faith. And yet, I can't help but wonder if Philip feels the Spirit inviting him to do something that at least by the standards of everything he has always been taught just doesn't make sense. It's as if he feels this divine whisper telling him to break the rules, to push past the boundaries, to wipe away the lines that have been drawn in the sand. And sure enough, he baptizes the eunuch right there in the wilderness. As Barbara Brown Taylor points out, this story is thick with the presence of the Holy Spirit. But it raises interesting questions about how that spirit works. Because if God is the lawmaker, then God is also the lawbender, or maybe even the law transcender, who both places limits on the faithful and inspires them to challenge those limits when right relationships with God and neighbor are at stake. She later says this, The only clear line I draw these days is this, When my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor, I will always choose my neighbor. Because Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. You see, that's the thing about following God. God never calls us to draw lines around ourselves that keep some people in and some people out. Instead, I believe our God invites us not to draw lines, but circles wider and wider and wider until everyone can experience just how boundless, how high and wide and long and deep is the love of God for all people with no exceptions. And I don't know about you, friends, but this is the love of God that I want Anna Joy and Henderson and Gus and Kaylee and Kento to know their entire lives, a love that knows no bounds. One of the best pictures of this I've ever seen is at the Open Circle Theater in Washington, D.C., a friend of mine, Suzanne Richards, started this nonprofit theater company after she kept getting turned down in auditions because she has a physical disability. After all, Romeo and Juliet can't be in wheelchairs. That just doesn't make sense, at least not to most theater companies. And so Suzanne came up with this idea. She started a nonprofit theater to do high quality creative theater productions in the DC area that provide opportunities for professional theater artists with and without disabilities. And her organization has worked to create an environment for both actors and audience that is truly accessible to all from the most mainstream theater-going people to those with auditory, visual, physical, and or intellectual disabilities. 
The name of her theater, Open Circle, was inspired by the poem by Edwin Markham. He drew a circle to shut us out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. You know, part of the beautiful thing that happens in today's text, when Philip draws a circle that takes this Ethiopian eunuch in, is that they are both changed. In fact, I might argue that this is much less a story about how Philip converted this eunuch than how this eunuch converted Philip. Because unlike what we normally see in baptism, this text says that they both go down into the water that day. They both experience a transformation, a shift that I believe changes them forever. And I believe that's what happens when you and I dare to draw the circle wider. And when we are brave enough to follow those divine nudges of the spirit to do things that just don't make sense. Like Randy Heiss, who couldn't stop thinking about that red balloon in his pocket with the Christmas note from a child in a nearby town. So when he got home from his walk that day, he contacted an Ogallis radio station and asked if they might be able to help. They posted a message looking for the child who had written the note on their Facebook page. And in a city of over a million people, it took just under an hour for the radio station to find her, an eight-year-old girl named Dayami and her younger sister, Hemena. The radio station actually arranged a meeting between these two families, and it was an exciting day for Dayami and Hemena, who were so excited to receive some of the things they had hoped for for Christmas. But it was just as special, if not more so, for Randy and his wife, You see, they had lost their own son nine years previously, and they missed the experience of having grandchildren around, especially at Christmas time. But meeting these beautiful little girls, they said, was such a beautiful healing experience. And Randy said, now we have friends for life. In an interview with Randy Heiss on NPR, Reporter Lulu Garcia-Navarro noted, this is a really beautiful story. And I can't help but think it's particularly pertinent now when there are so many tensions along the border where you and I live. I guess the balloon knows no barriers. Randy said that's right. And neither does love. And so, friends, in the words of Wendell Berry, Every day, do something that doesn't compute, that just doesn't make sense. Pay attention to those divine nudges of the Holy Spirit. Draw the circle wider and practice resurrection. Amen.